son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. But the risk to personal safety, the risk to livelihoods, and equally, the risk of people losing faith in the rule of law that upholds our society and our freedoms, those risks were real. Well, it's the prime minister defending his government's decision a year ago this month to invoke for the first time the Emergencies Act, a job that became a little bit easier today with the release of the reports from the public inquiry, the Public Order Emergency Commission. Justice Paul Rouleau has concluded, somewhat reluctantly, he says, but has concluded nonetheless that the government was justified in invoking the Emergencies Act. Now, there's a lot to this report terms of not just that decision, everything that led up to it, and I guess where we go from here. So I do want to hear from you in this hour, 403-974-8255-780-496-0063. As you heard, the prime minister's already reacted. We're expecting uh, sometime shortly here that conservative leader Pierre Polyev will react. So we'll try to get to some of his comments. But I want to find out more about what's in this report, what Justice Rouleau found, what he concluded, what he recommends. Freelance journalist Justin Ling covering the release of the report today, and he joins us on the line here this afternoon. Justin, good to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I mean, I think we're all kind of boiling down on the uh, central yes or no question, was the government justified? And Justice Rouleau says yes. But in 2,000 pages, I guess he's, he's saying a lot more than, than just yes here, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a yes and, and then the and stretches on for the other, you know, 1,999 pages. Um, it, it's an interesting conclusion, and, and to be honest with you, it's a little bit more deferential to the government than I was expecting. Um, I, I think I was asked multiple times over the past few months uh, what to expect from this report, and, and you know, I basically said expect him to justify the use of the act but take issue with the way it was actually used and the way in which some of the orders, some of those you know, orders written by cabinet, um, were actually applied. And he does. He does take issue with some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, he has issue with the way in which uh, some of those assets, some of those bank accounts were frozen and kept frozen even after the occupation ended. Uh, he took uh, some issue with um, the way in which the government sort of drew up these extraordinary geographic areas where uh, uh, protests and public assemblies were essentially uh, forbidden while the act was in effect. Um, but on almost every single one of those fronts, even if he says they kind of come up to the line of being inappropriate, and he says the government was reasonable and, and, and rational in the way it, uh, it, it drew up those orders, the way it applied them, um, and he said basically it was all very effective. He, he very mm-hmm. pointedly said that this was sort of a, a useful and necessary uh, in the context and that the government you know, met all of the tests that were uh, in front of it. He obviously makes some recommendations on how uh, it desperately needs uh, to be done better next time, how the act uh, needs fixing, how there is just a, a litany of issues on which policing and government and public safety can do better for next time. Uh, but all told, I mean, the, the government must be head over heels with this. This is a, a, a ringing endorsement of how they approach this issue. 
Yeah, it really does seem to be. And I know there were some lingering questions coming out of this this inquiry about whether the government had, in fact, met the threshold. You know, the testimony we heard about the other options that hadn't been ex- explored, the testimony we heard about, you know, the, the strict ceases act definition of public order emergency and a different interpretation from the government. How ultimately did Justice Rouleau view these issues? Yeah, you know, so let's rewind just really briefly. As we were awaiting this report, um, you know, there was basically kind of three major camps of thought. One said the government was right and this was necessary, and they met all of the tests and, and, and everything was kind of hunky-dory. Right. The opposite side, you know, the pro-convoy side said this, you know, there was never a threat to public safety, this was never actually illegal, that uh, they were uh, protesting uh, peacefully, and that, you know, dancing in the streets and sitting in a hot tub does not rise to the threat of a national security issue, and that this was the government acting uh, as a functionally a dictatorship. But there was, and, and, and you can kind of see the logic and the, and the justification behind both uh, strains of thought. There's an argument in the middle, and this was put forward by many conservative MPs, um, that the government uh, basically didn't follow the act, and that the government effectively doesn't really have the power uh, to, to, to uh, invoke the act in these situations and cannot really uh, pronounce itself on issues of, of these sorts of emergencies. And, and Rouleau does really short work of that argument, right? I mean, he actually calls this uh, crisis, this emergency from top to bottom, an, an issue uh, of a failure of federalism, effectively. And I thought that was really interesting because we can't live in a country where the government, the federal government, is just sort of has its hands tied behind its back and can never really do anything. Um, you know, when uh, thousands of people lock down the Capitol and close the borders and sort of uh, impose the law themselves to get their to get their way and to impose their will on our democracy, right? There has to be some mechanism where the federal government can sort of leap into action. And clearly, the Emergencies Act is it. So, so Rouleau kind of very pointedly says, yes, they met the definition in the CSIS Act. That definition needs improving because it's a little bit vague. But yes, the government met that act. Yes, the government was right to act. Uh, the province and the city had failed consistently to, to, to kind of break this up. And the federal government, um, you know, owed it to the people of Ottawa and owed it to the economy and, and, the, and the nation writ large to do something. And, and the way they did it was reasonable and appropriate. Yeah, he talks about the situation in Ottawa. He describes it at one point as unsafe and chaotic. And, and I guess that gets to, you know, part of the, the consideration here is what was the nature of the threat? And, you know, the, 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 you know, the government's trying to be proactive to some degree and, and not have to be in a situation we're talking after the fact about carnage or bloodshed. But those who say it was never going to get to that point, how, how does he see it? It, it, there's something very useful about this report because you know he is a judge, right? You know, I, I, he's acting in a more limited scope here, but he is a judge. I mean, his his career is about taking the available evidence and the available testimony and, and, and trying to come to a um, a decision that is not about splitting the difference or finding compromise, but it's about using the facts uh, and, and, and the, the reality to, to, to make a determination, right? And he does that. Um, he, he, while he certainly criticizes the government in some cases for overstating the threat or being fast and loose in its rhetoric, um, he really demolishes the idea put forward by the Conley organizers, that there was no threat whatsoever, and that everything was peaceful and everything was hunky-dory, he very clearly says, hey, listen, there was rhetoric out there about assassinating the prime minister. There were calls to arrest 
uh, do citizens arrests, and indeed there were citizens arrests, but but to make arrests of public health officials and put them on trial as though it was the Nuremberg trial, right? I mean, he very clearly says, you know, there was uh, an alleged attempt to murder RCMP officers in Coots, Alberta. He points to the fact that there were feelings inside the occupation that the only way to achieve their aims would be to rise to a level of political violence. Um, he also points out the fact that there were counter-protesters, people who wanted these people out of the city, who were also kind of ramping up to be more confrontational, and potentially um, to, that could lead to violence. So he, he's very clear-eyed and very rooted in the facts and the evidence to, to, to point out that there actually was both a threat to the people of Ottawa, a threat more broadly to police, and a threat to the national security of the country, never mind the economic threat that was, that was sort of posed across the country by these border blockades. So I think, you know, there will be people out there who will just throw this to, to one side and say, you know, he's just carrying water for the Trudeau government. We can't listen to him. Uh, let's ignore this report. But I, I hope most reasonable people, even if they don't love the fact that the Emergencies Act was invoked, can look at this and say, you know, putting aside all the rhetoric and the overheated um, uh, sort of dialogue, there's a very clear conclusion here that there was a threat to national security and that something had to be done. And there were failures, failures that led up to that. You alluded to it already, and, and it's something he points to, that maybe it should have never got to the point where the Emergencies Act was necessary. So who, in Justice Rouleau's view, failed here? I mean, it kind of everybody, right? Like I said, it was that failure of federalism. It was the fact that the, the, the federal government sort of had a hands-off approach until things got really intolerable. Uh, he absolutely castigates Doug Ford for being missing in action. We heard testimony uh, about that at the commission, uh, underlining just how sort of indifferent the provincial government was to this crisis and how they wouldn't even join the meetings in some cases. And of course, he has a a tremendous amount of blame for the city of Ottawa. There's actually a really interesting section where, you know, obviously we're still digesting this very, very long report, but there's one interesting section um, where he actually says, um, you know, the failure of the city of Ottawa and of the Ottawa Police Service uh, to stop this and to lay down the rules of the, of the law and, and effectively the decision to let them take over downtown Ottawa on this optimistic and naive belief that they would take off after a couple of days functionally gave them him carte blanche mm -hmm. to break the law, right? You know, our system of civil liberties is one where there has to be a mediator. The state kind of has to play, um, you know, that that that, you know, that the, the person in the middle to make sure that one person's expression doesn't trample on someone else's rights. And the city of Ottawa didn't do that, right? So certainly the protesters bear blame for their own actions, but the city of Ottawa also bears a tremendous amount of blame for being incapable of, of mediating those two sides and letting, letting you know, basically them fend for themselves because they were incompetent in their response. Now, it was interesting, too, regarding the act itself, and Justice Rouleau, he talked about what he called deficiencies in the government's response. You mentioned some of them, the, the way which some of these uh, bank accounts and assets uh, were, were frozen. But he did seem to, to indicate that the act itself does have safeguards, can be useful. So he's got some recommendations here, but are we likely to see any kind of significant changes to the act itself or, or how this all works? 
Oh, I think we should we should all be very, very um, attuned to the fact that these changes are necessary. The Emergencies Act has never been used before. It, it was written um, with an, an intense focus on protecting civil liberties, right? It replaces the War Measures Act, which was a full frontal assault on the fundamental rights of everyone in this country. And when it was applied during the October crisis, it suspended and, and wrote roughshod over the democratic rights of everyone in this country. And so the Emergencies Act was written as a response to that. Now, I, I think it's clear that it was um, very much coming from a place of very little experience, right? Um, no one was quite sure how to draw up these, um, the, the, these safeguards and these thresholds and these uh, safety measures in such a way that would be effective and practical because there was no way to test drive it. So this was our first real experience or experiment with it. And, and clearly, we learned some of the problems with it. Um, that CSIS definition you mentioned before is, is a really tough thing <laughs> to, um, to really detail and to, uh, and to establish. And, and the government kind of learned that. And I think Rouleau really grappled with that issue as he went through it. And he even writes, you know, listen, someone else might come, someone else could come to a very different conclusion than I have. But the conclusion I have is that they met the threshold, but that threshold desperately needs to be rewritten and needs to be fixed. Uh, there needs to be, these changes need to be done because we can't have this act being used willy-nilly you know, at, at the whim of a government that doesn't like some protest, but also the act cannot be so stringent that it, it, it ties the hands of the federal government to being incapable of acting when there actually is a national emergency. So the, fixing this act, I, I can't stress this enough, has to be a core priority for this government, and it needs to be done in an incredibly bipartisan way that is done by consensus and, and not kind of a unilateral action. And our minority parliament hopefully will engender that kind of discussion. And I hope the Conservative Party and the Green Party, the Bloc Quebecois, the NDP are all very clear eyed about the need to put partisanship and, and point scoring aside and actually fix, it, fix this act because it, it is an incredibly important thing to ensure that both we can maintain public safety going forward without uh, you know, driving over our civil liberties. Indeed. Well, we'll see if that all happens. We'll leave it there for now. Much more, as mentioned, bugeyed and shameless.com. Uh, you're tweeting about this as well, of course, Justin underscore Ling. Folks can find you uh, on Twitter. Justin, appreciate this. Thanks for joining us here this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Okay, there you go. Freelance journalist Justin Ling. His substack is mentioned, bugeyed and shameless.com on Twitter at Justin underscore Ling. Kind of an overview of what's in this report, what Justice Rulo found beyond the yes, it was justified response. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Rob Breckenridge. You can email me, rob at 770CHQR.com. Talk to you next time. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.